So we've just gotten started in our new series called The Unveiled Life. We started that last week. It's out of 2 Corinthians. And uh, last week we shared kind of the backdrop, right, of that whole book and, and the context for why it was written. So if you are here the first time this Sunday or watching online, uh, make sure you go to our website. You can download that, watch that one, and it will connect to this one. I'd like to pick up where we left off last week where Paul is writing to the Corinthian church. So if you have your Bibles, open them up, uh, your phone, whatever device you're using this morning. And uh, it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And we're going to start looking at verses 14 to 16. And it says this, But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, and to another a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? We pointed out that the answer to that question is no one is sufficient in their own ability or status, but that in Christ we are made worthy and become the aroma or fragrance of Christ. And here's the interesting point. Same fragrance, different reaction. Right? For one person, the fragrance of Christ is the smell of eternal life. For another person, it's the smell of death. Here's the the important point to remember. Our job is to be the fragrance. We are not in charge of the reaction. Right? So be thinking that way. Uh, We're going to look at another arena this morning. We're going to talk about the area of authenticity uh, this morning. So let's pray and then we'll explore what Paul was going to lay out in this whole area of what he calls a letter of recommendation. So would you join me? Father, thank you for this morning. Thanks for the rain. Lord, it's what makes the Northwest green and we will celebrate with you in it. And uh, Father, we just think of New Mexico, we think of California, we think of the places that are experiencing incredibly traumatic fires, and we recognize we're extraordinarily blessed up here, and that's one of the reasons we love the Northwest, and Lord, we pray for those other areas, and the people are going through tremendous suffering right now, and we seek you for that, and Lord, uh, we also ask for relief that you might bring rain and lessen the winds. And Lord, as we come this morning and talking about a letter of recommendation, um, you're our recommendation. And so we seek you that you would validate this as we walk through it. May they hear your voice, not mine. And we seek you for that in your name. Amen. All right. Okay, so the issue of authenticity is a big one, right? Even in our lives, if you think about your world, if you think about jobs and that kind of stuff, we've all run into this. Um, And... uh, Paul is going to use the illustration of a peddler. We have all seen this in the old westerns and that kind of stuff, right? The cart comes into town and uh, there's a guy, there, there it is, right? And, uh, you know, he does something like he holds up a bottle and says, Dr. Joseph's magical elixir, right? Cures lumbago. You ever wonder what lumbago is, right? Nobody ever knows, but it cures it, whatever it is, right? Stress, rheumatism, and it makes your hair grow back, Right? And you're like, oh, we got to buy some of that, right? It's kind of kind of funny. Doesn't seem like things have changed much, <laughs> right? That's that's. What's the motive behind that? All right, the motive behind that is money. All right, the motive behind that is using that to get ahead and using other people to get ahead. Uh, this ruse has been around as long as there have been humans, and now Paul is caught in this net because he's being accused 
by his critics in the Corinthian church of taking advantage of people this way. So Paul responds with this statement. He says this in verse 17, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God, we speak of Christ. Paul is trying to certify his apostleship. He wants the, the Corinthian church to say, hey, remember who commissioned you, right? Remember who started this thing? Remember how we got going together? That's what he's talking about. And they, they knew the story. They knew the story about Paul getting knocked off his horse. They knew the story of the bright light from heaven. They knew the story of Ananias praying over Paul and the scales falling off. And they knew Paul being called into ministry. And uh, he wants to make sure they remember that they remember who authenticated him in ministry, that it wasn't a human agency that did it. Uh, he does this in a number of places in the New Testament. I just picked one. If you go to Galatians chapter 1, in Galatians 1.1, 1, 1, it says this, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Paul is being, again, accused by his enemies, some who have uh, infiltrated now the Corinthian church. They've come from Jerusalem, and uh, they're countering Paul, and they're countering and saying, um, that Paul is not really the genuine article, that they are, and thus Paul is not authentic. And this is, by the way, classic gaslighting, right? They're accusing Paul of what they're guilty of, okay? So uh, what were they accusing him of? What were the actual charges? Here's the charges you'll find. They accuse Paul of being brilliant in writing, but not too impressive in person. You'll find that in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. They accuse that Paul was taking advantage of him. You find that in 1 Corinthians 9. That Paul was a self-proclaimed authority. You find that in 2 Corinthians 10. Uh, that they had a gospel superior to the one Paul was spreading. You find that in 2 Corinthians, both chapters 11 and 12. And for a fee, they would help them get out and give them, uh, they would help them out and give them a better gospel. Right? And you find that. And really, 1 and 2 Corinthians, if you look at them, that's the reason why they were written, is Paul is countering these charges. He's countering these accusations that are coming his way. And Paul is saying here, very clearly, I was not appointed by a man. I, I did not come through some system that gave me a diploma or something and said, therefore, I'm legitimate and valid. I... I was, I was actually commissioned. I was made an apostle, made an ambassador by Jesus and God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. That's Paul's certificate of authenticity. We get insight into the mystery of Paul's call in chapter 12 uh, in 2 Corinthians. He says this. He says, this is really foolish of me. I don't know why I'm even doing it. But he says, if I must go on boasting... Though there's nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. Whether again in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told by which man may not utter. That's a pretty strong statement. In another translation, it says he heard things that were inadmissible and unlawful for man to speak. That's pretty powerful. It was so powerful 
that Paul wasn't even able to discern how this thing actually happened. Was he actually there and in his body, or was he taken out of his body? He wasn't even sure where he was at that point and how it took place. So what's going on here? What's going on here is that the criticisms, these enemies of Paul, are coming at him hot and heavy. It's really starting to grind on his spirit. It's been really hard. And the criticisms are so harsh that it forces Paul to break a 14-year silence on how he was transformed by Christ and called into the ministry. Paul had never shared this before. Paul is emphatically saying, I am not a peddler. I'm not getting something out of this, but rather I'm a man of sincerity. I was commissioned by God. And it's in the sight of God that I speak of Christ. So he's, he's trying to underline it. The argument here is very similar. Uh, if you're familiar with the argument uh, that goes on in John chapter 8 between Jesus and the Pharisees over who's legitimate, right? And uh, that, that one there, uh, Jesus uses the same kind of line of thinking as Paul. He says, I didn't come of my own accord, but the Father sent me. I'm merely telling you the truth that I heard from God. That's why I'm legitimate. Why don't you believe in me? Jesus was called by the Father, and Paul was called by Jesus. And so for Paul, authenticity was everything, and he appeals to the Corinthians on this basis. Remember when I was with you. Right? He's taking them back. Remember? Remember when I was there? Remember what I told you? Remember what God did among us when that happened? And he's calling them back to those early origin things of what God had done among them in their midst. By the way, the worship team, great job this morning. Wow, that really reflected the spirit of this super well. He says, remember when I was with you? Do you remember my testimony? Or like Jesus said, if you don't believe that, at least believe the works, right, of what you see going on. Paul is saying, don't you remember when I happened with you? There's, there's a note of exasperation in his writing. Look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now we're back in, in chapter 3. Go back to verse 1. He says this, Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Uh, Paul here is referring to something that we would understand very well even today. Uh, a letter of recommendation. I imagine a number of you sitting out in the audience ha have filled those out, right? Uh, I filled uh, a bunch of those out. I, I don't know how many letters of recommendations I've filled out over the last 43 years, but it's been a lot, okay? And uh, I, I constantly get requests for doing that. A letter of recommendation simply means you vouch for this person. In other words, an institution or somebody saying, hey, they're applying for our school or for this job or something, could you vouch for the character of this person? What would you say are their strengths? What would you say are their weaknesses, right? You guys know how that works. Uh, can you verify their claims, their gifts, their calls, their interests? Uh, the illustration for this morning comes courtesy of Phil and Melissa Wagner. So Phil and Melissa, if you're watching, greetings, we miss you. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, we can turn around and wave, everybody say hi, right? <laughs> yeah, Ben, Sarah, Emily, you guys too, miss you a lot. But uh, so if you don't know, uh, Melissa's mom uh, and uh, husband worked at the Buck Knife Factory in Post Falls, Idaho. Okay, I'm a, a pocket knife aficionado. I have a, I'm looking at Dave Donald at the same time. Uh, I, I carry one all the time. I use it all the time in church uh, for stuff, cutting boxes and doing all that kind of stuff. And uh and so I, I just love pocket knives, right? And so 
I go over to, the first time Pam and I went to Phil and Melissa's, we were having dinner, and they start telling the story about her parents working at the Buck Knife Factory. I'm like, love Buck Knives. And Phil says, oh, you want to see some? So he goes, this guy comes up, you know, throws a, which one would you like? I'm like, check this out. Like I'm in, you know, kid heaven. Like this is so cool, right? And so I I take one and over the years they've given me several. Uh, But when they left, uh, there had been one particular one that they had shown that they had gotten special uh, from her parents and uh, Phil came to me right as they were, the Sunday, matter of fact, the Sunday they were leaving and said, hey, you know, I remember when you looked at this and I remember the special glint in your eye and I'd like you to have this. And so, <clears throat> ah, get choked up, miss him. So he gave me this. Okay, now this is a can, right? But inside the can, I got to take the top off here. This is, this is the knife. Okay, now if you're a pocket knife guy, this is a, a buck 110. This is like granddad had, right? This, these are cool. But in the can, the canister there, is also this certificate. This authenticity certificate that says, model, it's the 0110, okay. One of 100 produced. In other words, there's only 100 of these in the entire world. And it says this, certificate of authenticity. This letter is affirmed that this Buck Model 110 Folding Hunter was made at the Buck Knives Factory in Post Falls, Idaho. The knife features a red hand tree uh, cut tree red oh, I can't read. The knife features a red hand cut tree inlay and a festive green wooden handle. This handcrafted 110 folding knife is only one, is one of 100 knives made in 2017. And then it has the signatures of C.J. Buck, who's the CEO and chairman of Buck Knives, and then also Joe Hauser, historian of Buck Knives, all right? So if you're into that kind of stuff, it's kind of cool. That's now mine, ha <laughs> ha, right? I take the, and the blade's engraved on it, and it's, it's really cool stuff. So anyways, but that, that gives us the idea of authenticity, right? And there's all kinds of things. Some of us have sports memorabilia. Some of us have jersey signs. Some of us, you know, right, have things like that that, you know, it, it really is a big deal. So Paul's opponents probably carried letters of recommendation when they came to Corinth. They probably came from the Pharisaic group in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and their challenge was basically this. Hey, Paul, where's your letter of recommendation? We have them. Where's yours? Right? And uh, Paul's answer is clever and revealing because he flips the tables. Right? He flips the illustration. And he appeals to the Corinthian church directly. Look at verses uh, 2 and 3. He says to the Corinthian church, "You You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink... But, by the, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. When challenged as to, hey, buddy, where's your letters of recommendation? He points to the Corinthians and he says, there, they're my letters of recommendation. You have been written on our hearts and it can be known and read by all. And you know, I would do the exact same thing if someone said, hey, challenged my credentials and said, uh, where are your letters of recommendation? I'd point to my family and I'd point to you, Norfolk. So you want my letters of recommendation? Here, right here. These are my letters of recommendation. These are my people, right? That's what I would point to. 
the testimony of their changed lives and the fruit of their ministry was Paul's response to his critics. And then he adds something very important. He says, you show that you are the letter from Christ delivered by us. And that this letter is not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. That's a cool phrase. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. <clears throat> Paul here begins to expand on the theme that he started. Remember, the book of Galatians is written before 1 and 2 Corinthians. So this is a theme he started in Galatians. He carries on in Corinthians. Then he, then he masters in Romans. Right? And it's the battle between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Uh, if you look at it, the Old Covenant, what Paul says is the Old Covenant, of course, was the law. Right? It was given by Moses. And so it was written on tablets of stone. We're familiar with that, right? Charlton Heston comes down the mountain, has the tablets crash, right? Oh, I mean, Moses came down the mountain. <laughs> Got that. And written on tablets, right, that, that are stone. And that is a symbol. Paul's going to later in this chapter say it's a symbol of a veiled life. And we're, we're going to talk about that. We're, we're going to come up on that. Of course, here he's referring, like I said, to Moses in the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. This is the word of God working from the outside in. In other words, obey this and you'll become a good person, all right? The symbol for this is the veiled life, and we'll go into that later. And then we have the opposite of this. What Paul's proclaiming is what he calls the new covenant, which is in contrast to the old covenant, written instead of on tablets of stone, written on tablets of human hearts. And the symbol of this is the unveiled life. And the unveiled life is the result of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And this is the word of God working from the inside out, right? And so opposite effect. And it's going to be the dialogue and the analogy that Paul uses for the rest of this chapter. Uh, but before we go any farther, let's just pause a little bit. This morning, uh, as we think this through together, could we ask the question, I think it's a really great place to ask it, what makes us legitimate this morning? Right? As we've come to church, what makes us legitimate? What are our letters of recommendation? Have you had God right on your heart by the Holy Spirit? Not using ink, but using himself. There comes this seminal moment in a person's life where that transformation happens. When we sing that song, and I think it's so powerful, when death was arrested and my life began, Right? And, you know, your grace so free washes over me. You've made me new. Now life begins in you. For me, that happened in February 8th, 1978. In a powdered milk factory in Denmark, Wisconsin, at three in the morning, in a whole bunch of powdered milk. Okay? Brought alive by the Spirit of the Holy God. Uh, just an amazing moment. He wrote on my heart, and I've never recovered. I hope I never will. Or are we on the other side of the coin? Are we trusting our own ability and competence? You know, I can be good enough. I can, I can please God. My ability to keep the rules, so to speak, right? You know how that is. You know how that works. Some of us are much more rule-oriented than others. So I'm accepted by God because I keep the rules, and thus I hope to get into heaven because of that, because I'm a good person, and God lets good people in. That's written on stone. It relies on the law and human recommendation. This morning, are you more conscious outwardly of how people perceive you? Or are you aware how the living God sees you? 
In the first one, we're the audience. In the second one, we're worshipers. It's just the, and the difference isn't that much. And Paul is arguing for authenticity. Not people who posture the word of God. Not people who peddle the word of God. But rather people who possess and pursue the word of God. Watch, what it, watch how he underlines this. Look at uh, verses 4 through 6. Such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Notice that our confidence with God comes because of and through Christ or through Jesus. Right? We are saved through Christ. We are justified through Christ. We are redeemed through Christ. It is not of ourselves. In other words, I can't good my way into heaven. Okay? I can't perform my way into heaven. I have to get there through Christ. Paul says, not that we're competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. And this whole issue is what the Bible calls justification. We are justified by Christ. In other words, how in a court of law, facing a list of crimes or transgressions, in other words, if we're in a courtroom and, and we're the person who's being um, sued or the person who's being charged, uh, how am I able to be declared innocent? Right? I don't know if you've ever been on jury duty and been in a courtroom kind of stuff. It's, you don't smart off in a courtroom. Okay? It's a different world and they have their own rules by it. Okay? How, how am I to be declared innocent? Even beyond that, how as a sinner can I be declared righteous? Right? When we think of our lives, all of us know we've blown it. All of us know we've botched it. Satan's very good at In case you, you don't know that, Satan's very good at bringing that back up to mind. Just ask the Lord, where have I blown it in my life? I think some things will come to mind pretty quick. Right? This is a major thrust of the book of Galatians and Romans uh, that Paul is just his master thesis. But uh, look at Galatians chapter 3. Verses 2 through 6. It'll be on the screen. You don't have to turn there. But Paul is really challenged with the Galatian church. And he says this. Let me ask you this. And the tone of that is not good. Okay? He's not happy with them. Let me ask you this. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? In other words, how did you come to know Jesus? How did you come into the Christian life? How did you get saved? Was it because of your performance and how you kept the law? Or was it by faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. In other words, Paul's raising the whole question, how do you get justified? Or how we'd say in a courtroom, how do you get sprung free? Right? From the debt that's over you. And Paul's saying, is it by the works of the law? Do you have to have a clever attorney? Or is it by faith? And the answer is by faith. Paul's answer is we come into the kingdom the same way 
Abraham came into the kingdom. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Look at the book of Romans. It says this, chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access, and access is a way in, right? We gain access, and we understand that from driving. You get access to certain things, all right? Gained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Look at verses 6 to 9. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, the point there is Jesus did something for us long before we could ever do anything for him, right? We, he set this up long before we were even around. Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So what I'm trying to highlight here, what Paul's trying to highlight in Galatians and Romans and 2 Corinthians is simply this. Here's the, the punchline for the morning, okay? If you didn't hear anything else and you hate pocket knives, all right, here we go. Here's the punchline. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is our letter of recommendation when it comes to getting into heaven. When God looks at us, he will see his son and say, I know you, okay? I know you. Why? We will have the letter of recommendation imprinted on our hearts because that's what the Holy Spirit has done. And Paul claims the Corinthians as his letter of recommendation. Why? Because Christ wrote on their hearts through the Holy Spirit. So now, taking all that, let's go back and, and just reread those verses again. Look at the meaning in them. He says this, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation. Think of what Paul's saying there. Written on our hearts to be known and read by all. And you show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. Paul is saying this was a relational, living thing that God was doing. So let's wrap this up again with verses 4 through 6. Paul saying this then, Such is the confidence we have through Christ towards God. In other words, why can you be confident this morning in front of the Lord of hosts? the God of the universe, the all-holy, all-righteous, never botched it, never sinned, not even a shadow of gray passing. He is the God of light. And he will examine every thought and every deed and every whisper you ever said. Anybody in trouble yet? I cringe when I hear that. I have been a man of loose lips in my life. How do you get... How can you stand before the living God that way when you know and I know the stuff we've done? Paul says this, such is the confidence we have through Christ towards God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. How are we made sufficient? Is, is it our skill? 
There's a lot of skillful people in this room. Is it our talent? A lot of talented people in this room. Is it our pedigree, our career, our money, our family, our status? Paul says that he, we, can't claim anything as coming from us. Our sufficiency is, comes from God. And it's all wrapped up in the sufficiency of Christ. It's what Jesus did on the cross for us that covers the whole thing. That's why you always hear Christians say, come to the foot of the cross. Why? Because that's where it was done. It's all wrapped up in the sufficiency of Christ. Christ has done for us what we could not do for ourselves. And this is what the Bible calls salvation. We become recommended because of Jesus' death and resurrection for us. We become sufficient. And the term here used all the time is in Christ. Right? We're sufficient in him because he allows us to do what we otherwise couldn't do. Look at the words that are used. Here's the terms that are used just in these books here for uh, Corinthians. Uh, we've talked about this one this morning, letters of recommendation, right? Chapter three. Ministers of a new covenant. We're going to get to that one. That's chapter five or chapter three. Ambassadors for Christ. That's the one we'll get to in chapter five. And then remember James when he was speaking in the John series, the God with us series, and he used the word apostello. Remember the sent ones? Remember his whole thought on that? If you don't, go back and re It was brilliant. Okay? But apostello, the sent ones. Okay? These are all words used now for the church. Those whose hearts has been written on by the Holy Spirit. And these are the words Paul's using for the Corinthian church. Because Jesus is our letter of recommendation, we are now his letter of recommendation. Right? This, is, this is cool. Because of that, we're now entrusted with this ministry of reconciliation. And just as we've been reconciled in Christ... So now we need to help others be reconciled in Christ, right? Right? As, you know, the saying in Christianity is it's just one beggar telling another beggar how to find bread, right? You ever heard that one, right? And the idea here is as you have been reconciled, no, so now help others get reconciled. That's the whole idea behind it. And God is making, his, here's the mind-blowing part. God is making his appeal to the world, to be reconciled to him through us. Now, there's a lot of us's, right? There's Norfew, there's Canyon Park, or Canyon Creek, there's, you know, Mill Creek Foursquare, there's Venture. There's a lot of us's here. And there's a lot of us's in the country, and there's a lot of us's in the world. But we are a missions outpost that God planted in Mill Creek to help spread that message of reconciliation. That's what we've gunned at for the last 20 years, right? Is that, uh, as Dan Kellogg says from Gold Creek, he says, we want to depopulate hell. Isn't that a great phrase? <laughs> He's a good buddy. I like him. But the mind-blowing part is that God is going to make that appeal through us. So now, who's sufficient for that, right? You're probably already nervous. And going, you don't have to worry. Jesus will make you sufficient for it. Yes, you may have to study. Yes, you may have to train. But Jesus will make us sufficient for that. And that's the faith part. So whether we like it or not, we're his letter of recommendation. And Paul is going to use one of the greatest illustrations found in all the Bible to emphasize this and highlight this point. You want to know what it is? Come back next week. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, that was a great bait and switch. Man, that was fun to do. Lord, thank you. This is an incredible point here. 
And I, I, I pray it resonated with my friends. Many of us have walked with you for a long time. We know you. We know how we've been forgiven. We know how we've been reconciled. We know that you have recommended. It's mind-blowing that you went out and found us. And Lord, we'd like some other people's minds blown, that you care and love about them. And Father, we know you're having conversations all throughout Mill Creek. And so Lord, let us get off our high horses and our egos. Nothing we bring to the table or can do makes us sufficient, but the work of your spirit, in that, when you write on our hearts, we then become your letter of recommendation. What an incredible privilege. We seek your heart for that, that uh, as we said last week, we might stink it up for you. That the fragrance and aroma of Christ would burst out through Mill Creek. Lord, we pray for those you're having a conversation with. Send them this way. We pray that we'd be trustworthy. And Lord, we pray that we would uh, wear the label well, being your sons and daughters. Lord, what an incredible, mind-blowing privilege. We give that to you a great hope. Ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Stan.